It's morning. It's a show. Sometimes it's about woodworking. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Pinch it off, Mark. <laughs> How'd they know? I told them. Hey, when you gotta go, you gotta go, Nicole. <laughs> pinch it off. You gotta, you gotta go. You gotta pinch it off and get moving. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, it's another great Friday. It's it's the morning show. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. And today we're going to talk about woodworking. We've got a bunch of questions here pre-selected from Patreon. And yes. Nicole's going to grab more questions from the chat room. Uh, and of course at patreon.com slash woodwhisper, that's where you can go to help out the show. Yep. Send a few bucks our way if you have a few to spare. And uh, we put that towards, uh, what do we put it for? towards? The coffee fund. <laughs> the coffee fund, the camera fund, the lighting fund. <laughs> Every time a wire doesn't work, i got to try new wires. It's, it's a whole <laughs> thing, Microphone <guys>. fund. Because <laughs> uh, we're in a shop and things get a little dusty. So I, I was like, just had a microphone. I, did you see this? I got like a little, little, piece of wood on little there. shavings around nice. my... <laughs> Don't get that in your coffee. I had a microphone go out on me the other day oh, I'm editing video and I'm like it's a oh, scene that can't yeah. be recreated and I'm like you gotta be kidding me what it did just... you decide what did you decide to do with what the sound oh I just did a voiceover oh, yeah I had to redo it and it was not great but you know sometimes that happens yeah uh, so we do want to help a couple or uh, thank a couple people <laughs> who helped us out uh, maybe we're helping them I don't know check Kloss Danielle John Slavin, iBookBinding.com. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a suspiciously like a website, Nicole, yes. and not a name. Uh, Andy Schmittenar. So thank you so much thank for helping you. us out. We really appreciate it. And uh, man, we got some great questions here. Yeah, we. Uh, I got some links. You want me to what, what, it, text them to you what, if I have a link? What's today? April seventeenth. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he's a year older. As of yesterday. No, two days ago. Today's As of two days ago. <laughs> Your tax, it's all blended your tax baby birthday. April 15th birthday. Yep. Yay, yeah. me. So, uh, happy birthday. Thank you. The birthday was great. Nicole did a fantastic <laughs> job. She actually, this was our first uh, food from outside the mm-hmm. house or prepped outside the house, yep. right? We had pizza for mm-hmm. my birthday. It was fantastic and a nice he chocolate has been, cake. He's been, uh, oh, I just want some pizza. Right? Just something simple. <laughs> just want just some, some nights you go like, I don't want dishes to clean. Yeah. I don't want any of that stuff. Just give me a damn pizza. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just, you know, have a salad and then that's it. You and know? everybody has their kind of routine on how they bring food in and <coughs> stuff like that. So pizza's easy. You just throw it on a... Pull it out of the box. Pull it out of the box. Leave the box outside. Throw it through the UV decontaminator. De- uh, and I'm sure there's somebody watching going, that's just too much work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's okay. They could do what they it want in their house. Yeah. Um, do what you want. <clears throat> all right, so let's uh, let's get to our questions here. All righty. So I've got one here from Matthew Hall. Dang it, I, I did like a little bit of prep here, mm-hmm. and I, I forgot to do one thing. Someone's at the front door. The front door. door. Uh, so Matthew Hall wants to know if I could let him know where I got my glue roller. Now, my glue roller is actually an ink spreader, also known as a brayer. A brayer. So do you want me to text these? I got quite a few links today. Yeah, go ahead and text the them. Easiest. I was going to look them up. Um, this will make it faster. So yeah, it's a brayer uh, that I guess if you are doing maybe stenciling or I don't know what you use it for, but I know it has to ink. do with ink. Yeah, right? it's usually, so uh, when I was in middle school, we did a project where you carved out on like this clay mat your design. Come down there. <laughs> Come down there. Don't hit me, Nicole. <laughs> and we used the brayer right. to roll the ink and then you put like paper on and then you had your design. Okay. Well, so. these are uh, rubber, like a hard rubber material. Uh, very easy to clean. Uh, the glue will stick to it, but you got to clean it off with water. Uh, but I've been using a glue spreader like that since I found out about mm-hmm. it from watching David Marks do it. So long, long time ago. They're not too expensive. Um, Nicole's going to put a link in the chat for one of the Speedball versions. It's their deluxe version. But they also make a pop-in version, which I couldn't find the link to quickly today. Uh, so look for that one that as one's well. Like Might a, be a little bit cheaper. Like an acrylic. It's all plastic. Yeah. And then they have three different heads you could pop in. Yeah. This is just one head. The thing is, you don't need different heads. You just need the one, and you got to keep it clean. That's yeah. all. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Hey, we just got a super chat from Jake, oh, that fast, huh? Jake Baker, and he says, happy birthday, Mark. Thank you, Jake. Wow, thanks, Jake. Appreciate it, man. That's great of you. And I'm thinking about going to Duncan now. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't break the seal, Nicole. All right, Chris Kalnassi wrote in. He says, Mark, on Tuesday, someone posed the question about tools that you don't have anymore, and you said the Panther router was a good example. Let's stop right there. Yeah. The Panther router and the multi-router 
Two uh, different things. Yeah, they look similar. And I think, <clears throat> man, this eyeball is itching for some reason. Maybe allergies. I'm... Have you got a little poop in my eye? <laughs> is that what happened? <laughs> That's how you get pink eye, folks. Oh, God. Uh, no. Allergies. Yeah, so the, the multi-router and the Panta router kind of do similar things. They kind of look similar in the sense that you've got a router mounted horizontally and you're you know putting the wood into the router. Uh, Panta router works a little bit differently where the router body itself is moving and your work is in a fixed position and the multi-router is the opposite. Well, actually the multi-router does both. Uh, the table can move on uh, linear motion bearings and then you also have the ability to move the router head itself. So the reason I make this distinction is because the multi-router has been out for like 30 years. Uh, the Panther router is something that came from, uh, from a YouTuber and then a company, I guess, licensed it and now makes a much better version mm -hmm. with aluminum parts and things like that. Uh, so I never had the Panther router. It was the JDS multi-router. Um, and then, because <clears throat> the multi-router, you learned, you saw that from David, David right? had one. Um, Daryl Peart had or still has at least one. Uh, William Ng has mm -hmm. a couple in his school as well. Um, but the Panda router, because it came from YouTube, it's more uh, people know about it. And the, the multi-router people, I don't know what they're doing, but they aren't advertising. They aren't, <laughs> they aren't trying hard to sell them, yeah. I can tell you that much. Uh, so anyway, back to Chris's question. <clears throat> so these are tools that I don't have anymore, uh, that the Panda router was a good example due to teaching and not expecting those learning to own something like that. If you weren't teaching and slamming influencer dunks daily, <laughs> would you own one just for building furniture? It seems like such a versatile tool that one could almost say it's as fast as the domino if you have everything set up and need to batch out a lot of mortise and tenons. Okay, so probably not. And you mentioned the reason, and that's the domino. Even that was really, it's a two-part answer why I got rid of the multi-router one is because that's worse than the domino, right? I show the domino and I get people who are all uptight because they don't have one and they would like to make this project too. So you have to show a more accessible way to do it. That's one reason. Uh, the second reason is because, excuse me, because it's actually in the post-domino world, the multi-router, yeah, it just it's hard to justify. Even as a, a business, um, the, the, the domino joiners are so much faster. They're so fast. So yeah, I mean, once you get it all set up, you could probably knock things out pretty quickly, but it's still, honestly, Chris, nowhere near as fast as the domino. So uh, that is the, the, the two-pronged two reason why uh, I would not keep that around. And I think the domino just kind of, honestly, the domino changed everything. Mm -hmm. Title of the show, Nicole, domino changed everything. Domino changed everything. <clears throat> it's just, it's, you just can't argue with the speed of it. Uh, on the multi-router, if you have a really long rail, like I've got some long rails for a table I'm making now. Uh, you've got to get those clamped down securely. Thankfully, the multi-router, you could get a uh, accessory with pneumatic clamps and it would put those clamps down, put a lot of pressure to hold long work pieces in place. But on a domino, you just got to put that work piece down and you take the tool to the wood instead of the wood to the tool. It's just so versatile. So anyway, to answer your question, there's more than one reason for that. And I, even if I was just building furniture, I probably still, I mean, I might have it because there might be a use case where I would need it at a certain point, but it's hard to justify uh, when a domino exists. I know you've moved past <clears> this, but I did find the link for the, the pop-in oh, the pop version that you, that you bought. Oh, it's more, ex you oh, you know what? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's more expensive because it comes with those other pieces. Yeah, there's like either three or four. I thought oh, it was a four pack. But I thought it was cheaper. Nope. Okay, don't get that Well, one. if you do just, they have ones that are just... A single one, and that's yeah. like eight bucks. <clears throat> that's the one you want if you can find it. Yeah. So there you go. All right. I uh, put let's it in see. the Friday Live section of the Amazon store. Q, Q. Tony Tang says, question for Nicole. Oh, me? Do you think Mark's knife display box would be a good jewelry box? I know Mark has built an actual jewelry box, but I just really like the knife box design. Why, why are you asking me? Because <clears throat> you're a girl. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. It I think if you it put depends, um, it depends on how you store jewelry. I mean, I have a jewelry box where I just shove stuff in yeah, it. It's just drawers, right? It's like get it out of the way. I think if you just put a grid work inside it mm -hmm. instead of the the little what would you call those? The little uh, supports that I put the, yeah. to display the knives. Yeah. Uh, if you put just like a crisscrossing pattern, kind of like in um there. Uh, the one you did with uh, Gary. Is it? Am I saying? Gary? Geary? Geary. Is he still in my house, Gary? <laughs> um, 
the one that I have in the in yeah. my closet with the little thing, and it's like yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, Rogowski. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah, Gary Rogowski. Gary, I was right. Gary. Good job. Good job, Nicole. <laughs> well done. Uh, Jason Stromberg says, Mark, I'm looking for a new midsize router. I'm guessing your first choice would be the Festool OF1400. Yes, if uh, if budget is not a problem, Jason. Uh, he says, what would your second choice be? All right, when I decided to try living in a non-Festool world for a while, I went to a Bosch. Uh, Bosch has a nice combo kit. I don't really use the fixed base, but it comes with a fixed and a plunge base. I only use the plunge. Uh, and the reason I, I liked it is number one, the router itself is, is really good, pretty powerful, does what it needs to do. Uh, but Bosch is one of the few companies that makes a, a branded edge guide that's worth a damn. You know, most companies just kind of, if they make one at all, it's kind of garbage. Uh, but Bosch's was similar to the Festool's, not as accurate, um, not as precise, but still decent for what it is. I got wires over here. I'm gonna yeah, trip this, over, and I don't want to unplug that. Every time I plug this in, you this, turn it off. No, no, no. It like sets back, and I it's feel okay. like I'm gonna. Push I gotta it. fix it. So that would be my recommendation: is the Bosch. Nicole has a, a link for that. Link in <clears> the chat and in the store. Oh, pardon me. What'd you do? I did an interview yesterday. Yeah. And I was doing this exact thing: coffee, burping. Oh. Trying to clear my throat. Ugh, it was it was yeah. a lot of fun. Sounds like good times. Okay, Karen G wrote in. She says, has Nicole made anything? Never. <laughs> I want to read that like a Karen. <laughs> has Nicole made anything? Does she do anything? <laughs> Does she ever do anything? Uh, either with Mark <laughs> or by herself, just curious. Well, uh, we, we, I make quilts. I make lots of stuff. <clears throat> I, make, I make very, well, <clears throat> I know you're talking wood. Um, yeah. So I've well, turned a few things. You made a couple bowls. Yeah. You helped me with the spoon. Oh yeah. The, Remember that yeah, we did that? The, yeah. Um, and that's it. I was actually going to try to, I think I still have a project that I made in seventh grade, mm -hmm. like tucked away somewhere. I was going to see if I could find it. <laughs> but uh, well, I made. We're also uh, toying with, and I've mentioned it so many times now, the beginner series that we're working on. Yeah. We're toying with the possibility of having Nicole, as opposed to like me doing all the building, mm -hmm. having Nicole do the building under my instruction. I don't know how well that's gonna go. Getting Nicole in the shop <laughs> for long hours and consecutive days is like pulling teeth. Uh, so I, I mean, if I wanna get the job done, yeah. I just might have to do it. No, I mean, But I we love the idea fun. of having Nicole do it so that it's you know proof that this works. Maybe These tools when work. your mom gets out here. When that, we have more backup with the kids. Yeah, when we have more backup with the kids. Yeah. Don't make promises you can't keep. Oh, I know. Da, uh, Don's Woodies says, Don. Mark, you may have answered this at some point, but I don't remember seeing it. Do you use leather straps as a final edge on your plain chisel blades? Some people swear by them and others like Rob Cosman don't recommend them. I personally go back and forth uh, just wondering what your choice is. So take a look at this here, yeah. This is a strop. Uh, it's also... This is my favorite part about it. It's genuine horse butt. That's how, that's how you know it's good. Uh, so this is what a strop looks like. It's just a, a thick piece of leather. Uh, usually you have some kind of honing compound on the is surface. Is it really called a strop? Yeah. Not a strap? No, strop. Strop. S-T-R-O-P. Oh. So it's got um, you know, the honing compound in there. And you basically just take your blade... Uh, after you have done your main honing and sharpening, you can kind of just finish it off here because you can get to super, I mean, if you give it a grit value, I don't even know what it would be, but super fine honing. Um, you can also use this as a quick pass. If you're in the middle of doing, I don't know, you're doing some dovetails and it's a lot of work, you're using the same chisel over and over, you can just kind of freehand and come across this material and actually just you know put a nice edge on there. And what'll happen is over time, because you're freehanding it or, or just because of the shape, you can see this thing is not perfectly dead flat. Um, but as you go over here, you can kind of blunt the edge over time. So eventually, after enough refreshes, you gotta go back to your stones and you gotta resharpen that sucker. So I don't really use mine all that often. Why I should. green? Well, that's the color of the honing compound. Uh... So. I should do it more often. We actually, I don't know if it was released already, but we have a, a Wood Talk episode coming out or it is out. I'm so bad at this, I can't remember. It might be <laughs> next week's episode, but we talk about sharpening. Uh, and in that video or in that uh, audio, you'll hear me talk about my experience with the strop, how I wish I used it more. Shannon and Matt both use it like religiously and it prevents them from having to go back to stones as frequently as I do. Uh, so it, it's definitely something I think that's worth looking into. 
Um, but listen to all different schools of thought and decide if it's right for you. You don't need it. You know, I get away, you know, I, like I said, I don't use it that often and my chisels are nice and sharp, um, but there's definitely logic to it and, uh, and it could be nice. So just something to think about. It could be nice. It could be nice. It could be a nice thing to have in your sharpening drawer of oh, goodies. YouTube, get your crap together. Tommaso says, as you age in this business, uh, avoiding the term mature for obvious reasons. What? Because I got poop in my eye? Is that what, what we're talking about? Uh, what are some areas like marquetry, upholstery, artsy-fartsy stuff in woodworking that you might try that you wouldn't have considered 10 years ago? Yeah, I thought about this for a little while and it's like, I don't know that there's anything, Tommaso, that I could like, that I could say right now definitively is like, oh, because I am, you know, a little older, now I'm going to be interested in intarsia you know what i mean like i still don't yet have interest in things that are you know a little bit further into that art side of things like the nesting tables i just did that felt a little bit more like an art piece way more than i ever have done anything in the past um just the exploration of of shapes and how they play against each other with two nesting tables Uh, so that's about as far as i've gone in that uh, category of art um but thinking you know i would like to get into a little bit more marquetry it's something i've touched on in the past and i've done you know videos on router based inlay and those are just rabbit holes so maybe you know at some point when i'm really really bored and i want to get into something a little deeper that's that and it's not something that i wouldn't have done 10 years ago it's just the fact that i've got maybe i can make more time for these things uh but i'll tell you what here's something 10 years ago this is not an artsy fartsy thing but 10 years ago i would not have considered and now i am interested C and Z, right? And it wasn't that I had any problems with C and C. It just wasn't where I was, uh, where my interest lied at the time. Uh, and now I have some interest. I'm not saying I'm all about it, but I have some interest. Well, it's also, I think, a big topic that I think you're like, oh, I just don't have time to dive into yeah. something new. Like the more people, oh, I don't know if I want to start this movie. It's a, it's, a three have, hour movie. it's a three-hour movie. It's already nine thirty. That's kind of how I mentally go about watching well, yeah, movies it's like, nowadays. I'm in my forties. Oh, do God. I want to get involved I'm in like, this? It's nine thirty. <laughs> uh, do I want? Yeah. Do I want to start this movie? I don't know. But but I, I do think CNC falls into that category. You know, asked me ten years ago, I had my buddy Ron doing all my CNC work, mm-hmm. so it was like I'd much rather pay Ron to do it in, mm-hmm. instead of me doing it. Okie dokie. I have a super chat. Okay. A couple of super chats. Ooh. William McKim says, not related to our favorite potty time humor, but what's your favorite shop smell? A particular wood, glue, finish, packing grease on the new tools. Do you, you have know, any favorite smells? I would have said I'm not sure uh, mm-hmm. on this until this project. So a lot of the projects I've done on the road going to classes have been uh, green and green projects, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it was William Ng, Daryl Peart, or even going to Daryl Peart's shop to film his projects there. So I have a smell association with mahogany mm. or sapili, like things in that mahogany sort of family. They do have a very co- uh, consistent from species to species. It's a pretty consistent smell. Uh, and I'm working on this project right now. Actually, I got just a little bit, little piece of it here. Here, give it a good whiff, Nicole. Smells, smells like wood, doesn't it? Uh, so the other day, I almost made an Instagram story about it, but I, I guess I got distracted by something. Uh, <laughs> but I was going to say, yeah, I have the smell memory of early learning in woodworking and the smell of mahogany and, and the dust that mahogany makes. Um, and, and, I, and it hit me suddenly, and I was like, I feel like I'm in An- Anaheim again at uh, William Ng School. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, certain wood species – have smells that I really appreciate and enjoy. Uh, and, and apparently mahogany is one of my favorites, and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Old Ohio angler said, my wife just said bacon. <laughs> bacon. <Yeah. clears throat> I mean, Too bad the shop doesn't have a, a way of smelling like bacon, bacon more often. <laughs> bacon maker. We need some bacon air fresheners. How about that? <laughs> no, that's okay. You know what? One of my favorite smells. Are, uh, What's that? And I didn't realize. I always just said, I love the smell of Christmas. And the smell of Christmas to me is scotch tape. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I thought the smell of... No, that's Love. Thanksgiving. Celery and onions. Oh, yeah. Celery and onions is the smell a of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving smell. But scotch tape is the smell of Christmas for me. Oh, that's funny. Very nice. Presents. Yeah. And wrapping and... and I, I would also say, uh, for me, kerosene yeah. has a smell that reminds me of things in my childhood. Yeah. Uh, where my grandfather used to soak 
um, you know, rod and reel parts mm -hmm. to get the grease off of them. He'd soak them in kerosene. So there would always be, you know, fishing, uh, fishing parts and uh, fishing reel parts all over his kitchen, right? Because that's how you do things. Um, <laughs> where it would just be coffee, uh, old coffee cans yeah. full of kerosene and degreasing parts. That's awesome. And then he'd go, you know how we'd grab the parts? Just bare hand. <laughs> yeah, with his bare hands. On the kitchen table. On the kitchen table. That's how it's done. That's how it's done in New Jersey at Andy's Sporting Goods. Okay, so Matt Roberson says, raised panel doors. Love them or hate them. Uh, tips, tricks, warnings. If you had an option, would you build a kitchen's worth of them or just buy the doors pre-made? Well, I might have a very different answer than other people. A lot of people would work to save money. And if you build your own kitchen cabinets, you could probably save a bundle and actually get a better product. Uh, but that sounds like a damn nightmare to me. <laughs> that sounds like production work, and that's not something I would want to do. Uh, but I do like raised panels for what they are. If it's like two or three doors on a smaller piece, I can get behind that. I've got a video. I'm going to send Nicole the link so she can share it. A video? A video. This is an oldie but goodie on how to make raised panel doors. Is and it one of yours? Yep. Oh, wow. And there should be some tips and tricks if you could stand the low resolution. Uh, there will be tips and tricks in there for uh, things I think you should look out for. There are grain direction oh, issues. That is an old one. When you are routing the panel, you have a, you're have you just removing a lot of material. So you have to think in terms of tear out. So there's an order in which you go around to make sure that the, if there is any tear out, you clean that tear out with the final pass, right? So you want to make sure you start on the right side uh, to, facilitate, you know, facilitate that, to facilitate that. Uh, so yeah, check out that video. That'll give you some tips and tricks. More, gotta, than, more than I could remember off the top of my head. I do have some more super chats. I'm going to do Don's super chat. Uh, Don or Don? Don. Don. Okay. Uh, hi, Mark. Two questions. Uh, where did you get the hardware for your bench cabinet? And I'm thinking of buying the PowerMag disc belt sander. I was wondering if the disc is a hook and loop or a stick-on. The discs are adhesive backed and not hook and loop. Okay. And you're going to find on most power sanders, I've... I don't know that I've seen one that's hook and loop. Hmm. I'd be very interested if, if that's the, like if there is one. Um, usually you want to be on a nice hard surface. So you wind up, you know, most of those are adhesive based systems. Uh, first part of his question was, what was it about? Uh, the hardware for the bench, oh. be bench cabinet. Hey, this is interesting. I got to see why. I get that question a lot. Yeah. The link to the hardware is in the post. Okay. And for, for, for some reason, that specific project i'm getting questions about the hardware and i'm like guys what the project link, it's the under uh ca oh. under workbench cabinet yeah, yeah, yeah. and i have the link it's an amazon link to hardware that uh just is that flush mount hardware mm -hmm. but I, i'm so confused i feel like i've done something wrong that people <laughs> keep asking me for the link and it's in the write-up so is, is it on the free site or the guild site both oh, okay the free site version of that video also has links to the hardware so uh, don look in the description you should see a link or if there's some reason you don't see it, let me know because I, I feel like I've done something wrong in, in the display of this thing. Okie dokie. Charles Masters said, what's the finest grit you should sand before applying Rubo to plywood? I tried monocoat on plywood and really liked the result except for one thing. I may have made the mistake, but my partner is a fanatic about having a baby smooth surface on wood. So I sanded to 320. It was almost like I had to drive the Rubio into the piece. I will say that uh, I like the feel of the surface afterwards, but it seemed like a lot of work. Well, you know, plywood is a little bit of a different beast than solid wood. Uh, most of the time, and I've got a video on this as well, go to the woodwhisperer.com homepage. The most recent video is on applying Rubio. That'll give you guidelines, but it's all focused on solid wood. Usually they want you to sand to 150. I'll sand to 180 on my stuff. Um, so... Yes, you could have made, you could have exacerbated the issue by sanding to 320. Uh, certainly, it, it kind of decreases the amount that the, the fibers are going to be able to pull in. Excuse me, but you're also talking about an extremely thin layer of wood. So it doesn't take very long before you actually hit some adhesive, right? Because that plywood layer on commercial plywood, that top veneer is so thin. Um, you know, can that oil actually penetrate through that layer and get to the glue? Maybe, you know, people, I, I think, give finishes a little bit too much credit for absorption. In reality, most times when you put finish on a flat surface and you do a, a cross section, it's like a microscopic sort of depth that that finish travels to. Um, but in the case of a veneer, 
a lot of times those veneers are microscopically thin. Um, so I do think you may have made the problem a little bit more um, noticeable that way. So try sanding to, to 180, don't go to 320. And you could still get a really nice smooth surface with 180, and especially if you're able to buff the surface uh, using you know, the, the white Scotch-Brite and terry cloth pads and all that stuff, you could still get a pretty nice surface, even if it's plywood. So I would try a lower grit. So uh, Matt Robertson said, so what do I do if I can't stand low resolution? And my response to him was, suck it up. No. What? Watch it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> what if he doesn't have Amazon Prime? Well, then get Amazon Prime. <laughs> you, need to, you need to think about his needs, Nicole. Well, I'm telling you, if you want a higher resolution, Amazon Prime has a higher resolution. You can also go to our website. We might have an HD download. Maybe. I, I actually, I have the I link right it. here. I could check. Well, yeah. Sometimes we have Sometimes. we have an HD download. That's, that's more work than Amazon Prime. <clears throat> it is, unless you don't have Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, but yes, I mean, we do the best we can. The, the problem is on YouTube, you can't replace old videos. Yeah. Unless you have like millions of views, uh, yeah. they will not let you replace a video with a higher quality version, yeah. which is kind of weird. I love, I love the people that come in on 2020, in 2020, on 2006 videos yeah. going, this looks awful it all looked awful in 2006 <laughs> yeah it did um so i'm on the bench cabinet i don't know what i'm looking for okay somebody gave me feedback they said there's two links for the hinges under the write-up yeah the first one takes you um mistakenly will take you to drawer slides but it's labeled hinges and the hinge link works but it's near the bottom so uh -huh. that's it the nine small solid brass flush mount ring pulls oil rubbed bronze and so that's the pull? That's the pull. Okay. Is that what although, he, is that what he Although wants? what I'm looking at, I don't see the oil rub uh, bronze on no, Amazon anymore. it's not on there. Maybe that's why he's asking. Yeah, the bronze. One. I got no control over their inventory. So you're going to have to try to look for that same thing and find it elsewhere. Because maybe we, we made them sell out, Nicole. Maybe. That's a great pull, though. <laughs> that was a great find. Mm -hmm. They're nice and small, uh, flush mount, really beautiful. So I'll take a look at it after we're done with the show. Okay. Okay. Chuck Thompson. Chuck Thompson. Wants to talk. Chuck Thompson. <laughs> he says, let's talk countersink bits. I've tried several brands of the drill bit countersink combo things. The ones I tried were not at all worth the money. Bits actually crooked and the countersinks chew rather than cut the wood. What's your go-to brand? Tell me about that Amana one. You just answered your question right there. <laughs> it is the Amana. Um, is it a single anti-scuff disc? One size fits all that snaps into different drill bits for different screw sizes, or is it a single uh, different unit for each screw size? Okay. Let me show you something. This is the... Let me show you something. <laughs> this is the Amana bit. Uh, to my knowledge, it's a single-use, single-size piece. If you want a different size um, bit in there, you're going to have to change that out or, or buy a different one. Um, I don't know if you could just buy these separately, if they would even fit properly. I think it's sized based on the bit's diameter, so you may not be able to. But the most common one, you know, like a number eight, you can get that, and, um, and it will work quite well. So you have a little adjustment screw here uh, that will raise and lower this Nomar disc thingy uh, and allow you to actually get a deeper countersink and, you know, start to counterbore to some extent uh, or actually get a more shallow countersink. Uh, you can also loosen up with the, there's a little screw inside there. You loosen that up and you can um, change how far the bit itself is penetrating out through the front if you want to drill deeper. These are fantastic. I, I, I think this is the um, countersink bit that I want to marry. And, uh, and I'm going to stick with it this time, Nicole. Okay. And uh, this is a really good one. So uh, I have a link for that one as well. But... Highly recommended. In fact, I had someone on Twitter just yesterday say thanks for the recommendation for that Amana bit because it's absolutely fantastic. You want me to put that in the... It probably already is. I'm sure we've talked about it in the past. It's but probably, I'll, I'll bring it to the top. Yeah, it might already be in the Amazon store. Yeah. What is it? The Amana? Amana. I just sent you a link. Okay, thanks. <clears throat> so I did find um, these pulls, <clears throat> oh, but yeah. they're different size. That's the thing. The size is critical. Oh, if it's okay. too big on that piece, they're going to look funny. Yeah. So look around. You might find something that's comparably sized, maybe just a little bit so different. This is one and three quarter <coughs> inch by one and three eighths. And the one that you link to that's is pretty close. one and seven sixteenths. So it's a little under one and a half. Yeah. 
Look into it. All right. Yeah, I'm might, not looking into no, it. I'm, I looked at the camera and oh. said, so look into it. Okay. I'm not looking into it. You're looking into it. Uh, Nicole. Oh, we're still, I forgot to move the camera back. <laughs> All right. Everybody's listening to us going, what are they doing? <clears throat> they didn't see the sarcasm in our eyes. <laughs> Scott M says, lots of things woodworkers deal with regularly are potentially harmful. Is there a tool that you won't touch because you think it's too dangerous? Hmm. Yes. So one is a tool, the other, well, I guess you can call it a tool, but it's not really a tool. So first thing that I, I don't touch is the uh, King Arthur Lancelot Ooh. carving tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that's the one that, that tried to take Stumpy, well, it tried to give Stumpy Nub a Stumpy Nub. Yeah. Um, I do believe that that tool used properly and used strictly in the way that they recommend you use it is probably safe enough. But it's one of those tools where it requires, you know, some things require more manual dexterity, more experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like operating, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other examples. There's things you could do with a table saw. It's not always black and white, right? It's not just safe or unsafe. There are shades of gray when it comes to safety. And the more experience you have, theoretically, you should be able to kind of feel things, hear things. You know what's going on with the saw as you're cutting, and you might be able to prevent problems before they happen. Uh, as a beginner, you don't necessarily have that luxury. So it's kind of one of those things where I think if you have a lot of experience with it, uh, or you just know the, the physics of how that disc is turning, what can catch, turning it the wrong way, what that might do, or taking off too much at once. Those things can help it be safe, but I think it has a greater potential to cause traumatic issues. Like really, really bad things can happen if it goes wrong. It goes wrong in a hurry and in a very bad way. So I don't like that tool. Um, what else? Fractal burning. There's another thing. It's not really a tool itself, but there is a, a rig you're going to need to be able to do that. Uh, and it uses really, you know, I guess it's a real high voltage electricity um, like to burn the wood. Uh, usually I think it's from like a microwave oven, something mm -hmm. from a microwave mm -hmm. oven. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I, People I, have died doing that. Yeah, they have. But again, if you know exactly what you're doing and you take all the safety precautions, I guess you could make it safe enough. But there's too much potential for things to go south on that. I just have zero interest in attempting it. So yeah, those would be the two things that come to mind. There might be other things. Oh, Abby the dog's in, in the chat room. Just Abby. To, just this, it's amazing that a dog can do a super chat. Woof, woof, Abby. <laughs> be safe. Got to the vet today because I hurt my paw. Oh, Abby. Aww. I wish we had more pet-friendly content on the show. Maybe. Hold on. Abby, go get it. <laughs> See if Abby gets excited about that. Okay, Adrian Abshire says, I'm thinking bandsaws. If you could only have one bandsaw and had to spend your own money on it, which brand, model, size would you recommend? I have a two-car garage when my wife's car is not in it. Okay. Which is probably never. Right. <laughs> Here are uh, two that I would recommend. So what is going on behind there? Oh, I guess it's taking the screen. Never mind. Ignore that text between those two images. <laughs> those are my questions, I guess. Uh, so the PM1500, that's, you know, in a, full disclosure, Powermatic is a sponsor. Mm -hmm. uh, but the PM1500, I think, is a really good sort of, not, not a massive size bandsaw, but a good middle-of-the-road bandsaw that can take smaller blades, larger blades, do resaws, swap it out for a narrow blade. You could do lots of curved work on there. Um, I think it's a great buy. Um, outside of that, one of my favorites, and it was... There aren't many tools that I go, oh, like when, when I started working with Powermatic and I began replacing some things with Powermatic tools, most of them, I would say 99% of the tools, I was like, yes, I finally got that Powermatic, right? Mm -hmm. The one thing, <clears throat> not that I regretted, but I kind of missed a little bit, was my Minimax bandsaw. I had, I, I really had uh, saved up for a long time, back in the day, 2006 maybe, 2007, uh, saved up and it was a very big deal when I finally pulled the trigger on that bandsaw and man I love that bandsaw um, but I did wind up replacing it with a Powermatic and again Powermatic's great um, <clears throat> but that Minimax just for some reason there's a soft place in my heart for it uh, they have undergone some changes what used to be like what they would call the MM16 is now um, shoot S something S400 uh, there's new ownership, it looks like. They're, they're, so look into it. I hope they are as good as they used to be. And back in the day, there used to be, there used to be like general rules of thumb. If you asked in a forum, hey, what table saw should I get? 
it would be Delta Unisaw and the PM66, the Powermatic 66. Uh, and if you and the Powermatic 66 was considered the best out of those two. And then you ask for bandsaws, and you would uh, your answer would always be Laguna or Minimax. Uh, and and still today, Laguna makes some pretty good bandsaws. <laughs> um, but it, it, I don't know, it just kind of maybe. Maybe it's my nostalgia for the early days of my woodworking, um, but I would assume they still make good quality saws. That Minimax is, is pretty badass, Nicole. Uh, <clears throat> uh, if you in the chat have never heard of Minimax. See? And that's a problem. Mm -hmm. There are brands that, you know, looking back, I they used to be such big deals, and I don't mm -hmm. know what's going on. Obviously, the, well, the company itself. Delta. Delta is a good example. Once they got bought out by, um, what is that, that Taiwanese company? Mm -hmm. I forget who it is, but it's the same. I think they also own Stanley. Um, once they got bought out, they kind of just disappeared to an extent. Uh, Porter Cable, also in that same family of tools. Uh, you don't hear much about Minimax is a good example. I'm trying to think what the other ones were. Well, we talked about the multi-router. Mm -hmm. Like, that was huge. And they still make it. And it's like, I don't understand why they don't want to sell more. You know, you got to talk about it or put it in the hands of other people who could talk about it if you want to sell more. But yeah, there's a lot of those brands that yeah, have just... Yeah, interesting. They used to be almost household names for woodworkers, and now nobody talks New about Yankee them. New Yankee Workshop goes off the air, Delta goes away. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Correlation. <laughs> also causation. Uh, okay. And that's all I've got for my questions. Oh, I have plenty. Mickey I've P. been grabbing them. Grabbing those questions. Grab them, squeeze them. Have some super P chats too. Them, Let's do some super chats. Uh, Steven Hahn says, what's your favorite way to cut mortise and tenons? Machine or hand tool? <laughs> Machine. Machine. Have you ever seen any of my videos? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've never cut a mortise and tenon by hand yeah. on on the show. On purpose? <laughs> I mean, I'll use hand tools as part of the process, certainly. To refine it, maybe? Yeah, for refinements and details and, and you know, lots of joinery I do that with. But it's definitely more that hybrid approach. Um, but hands down, it's always going to be more power tool based when we're talking about, you know, classic mortise and tenons. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. We got CJ Howley. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, okay. What's your least used large tool? Mm -hmm. One of my tools will be need to be mobile bandsaw joiner planer, and I'm going to ha going to hang up. I'll take your to listen to your. I'll, I'll take your answer <laughs> offline. <clears throat> well, I don't think. I mean, when you're talking about least used, because you have a lot of yours on wheels, but I don't think they don't when go you're, anywhere. When but... you're asking the question of mobility, I don't think least used is the parameter you should be looking at. You should be looking at which one actually requires more space, which one can't be used in place. So let's say you've got a very tight situation and you squeeze, good example, a drill press, right? You squeeze a drill press because it's very, you know, it's tall, it's narrow. You could fit it into a little alcove. But if you can't use it there because there's a countertop here, there's another tool here, and a lot of your work pieces are going to spread across the table this way. So just because the tool can fit in that alcove doesn't mean it's usable there. Bandsaws, you can get yourself in trouble with that too. I've got a situation mm -hmm. where my two bandsaws, I want to get them closer, <clears throat> but I can't because if I have a really long piece, the table on the smaller bandsaw is actually taller. Mm -hmm. So it'll hit the table. So I gotta be able to move those out of the way. So again, I don't think it's a matter of what you use the most or the least. It should be a matter of which ones can be used in place and which ones have to be moved into an open area in order to use them in every possible way. Now to answer your question though, my least used tool in terms of larger tools is probably my combination disc and belt sander. Mm. I just, I use the disc. I wish I kind of had, had like a larger disc, the single disc unit. Um, but even then, I just don't use it that often. Got a super chat here from Swedish Nuts. Uh, I have an inverted router and I got it for free. What does it do? What's an inverted router? I don't know what that is. I would have to look that up. Inverted router. I, maybe the chat room knows what an inverted router is? Inverted router. <clears throat> it looks like a scroll saw. <laughs> is that what it really is? Inverted router is simply more versatile, more accurate, safer, and easier to operate. More efficient dust collection. Yeah, you're not helping me here. What does it do? I'm sure this is the company <clears throat> that makes it, though. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, it is. it's it like... Is. It's okay. interesting. Well, we're going to have to look that up. We don't know. It does look like a scroll saw. It does look like a scroll saw. But that's interesting. Well, I don't have a great answer for you. 
It is it. I guess it's maybe more of a European tool. <clears throat> There's a lot of I've I've been getting questions about that too. People asking like, how come you guys don't use this or you don't use that? And it's, you know, it's, we're we're a different country and we are woodworking. A lot of our woodworking things that you see, especially in like YouTube videos, comes from a hobbyist mentality mm-hmm. and not a production mentality, right. uh, which can lead to a different tool set. Mike Jardy in the chat room had asked, "What's your take on French?" French cleat walls. I don't recall seeing one in your shop. You haven't. I have gone, a video for you, that. Yeah, he has a video. In fact, I, I remember it. It's back in 2009. Yep. He did a French cleat storage system. Yeah. Uh, so I used to have one. Yeah. Uh, you know, French cleat systems are fine. They're they're versatile. If you hang a French cleat all around your shop, you could hang anything from it, from cabinetry uh, to little tool holders and things like this. Um, The reason I got away from it is because I found something that I consider to be better. By putting this sort of paneling on the wall, I can now put anything anywhere. And I don't need extra, you know, 45 degree cleats to grab each other. Usually with a French cleat system, you've got to figure out a way to keep it up on the wall and also keep it balanced so that it doesn't fall off. I'd much rather drive a screw through something and attach it. So uh, this... What is this? T T one eleven material is fantastic. It's thick enough to take a screw. I can hang cabinets from it. I can hang tools from it. So French cleats are fantastic. I like like Nicole's got over there. She put a link in the, the in the chat for you. I've got a video on it. It's a great system. I still use French cleats for hanging certain things. Uh, if I make a big wall hanging cabinet, it's going to be hung with a French cleat. Um, but for me personally, if I'm going to do my entire shop or a very large section of my shop, I'd much rather have the versatility of putting anything anywhere instead of being limited to where those strips are and then having to design the holders so that they fit and stay on. Uh, the advantage though, I would say if you, maybe you got like a little chisel rack or something, you could develop some cool things like a chisel rack that mounts, but then you can also take it off and bring it to the workbench and have all your chisels right there. So there, there are positives and advantages to it, but for me, I'd rather have, maybe it's a little bit lazy, but I'd rather have uh, stuff just screwed to the wall. Speaking of chisels, <clears throat> I, I don't know if Jason's still in the chat, but he was earlier. Mm-hmm. Chisel, chisel. Oh, chisel, chisel. <laughs> uh, let's see. We got a super chat here from Jake Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just cut the dados for my TWW fancy chisel holders. I like the idea of using magnets, but wouldn't this cause the chisels to become magnetized? Nope. I'm wondering if that even matters. Nope. A classic. So, uh, so what? Who cares? Yup. So what? So what? Who cares? You answered your own question, Jake. People asked me that when I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, Got a couple people on Facebook who were like, you're going to magnetize your chisels. And I'm like, no, stop it. Just (laughs) stop it. (laughs) So no, it's not a problem. I mean, I I would not. I guess maybe there's someone somewhere. Why would it matter if you magnetized them? Uh, Maybe if you are sharpening and you're making swarf. Basically, uh, metal dust. Uh, yeah. Maybe it attracts more metal dust to your... T- Stop. It's fine. It's okay, Jake. <laughs> I've yet to see any negative uh, results from, from that. But there's always a possibility that I'm wrong. But in my experience... I love that you leave that open. Because, you have to, Nicole. Yeah. It's just uh, it's the way it is online these days. Someone mm-hmm. could have an experience that differs from your own. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Thank you. Uh, Morgan Nelson says, how do you decide whether to finish a piece by sanding or using a plane or card scraper? You well, sand every project? Yeah, yeah. Every project gets hit with sandpaper. Uh, a lot of times I will try to remove the machine marks with a card scraper. It's fast. It's clean. And even, I mean, depending on your, you know, what you like in your wood surface, sometimes that scraping can be all you need to do. Uh, but you don't produce as much dust and you move faster through it. Um, And I will always hit that surface with a little bit of sanding afterwards just to give it a nice, clean, consistent appearance. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my go-to for for everything. Now, I will sometimes do a planed surface as a a finished surface. That typically comes in if I've got a very well-behaved wood, one that I know isn't going to tear out. Uh, And also, I like it if it's a single pass. So let's say I'm doing, I don't have any examples, a table leg, or the side of a frame or something like that, uh, something that I know my plane is going to hit in just one clean pass, it's hard to get a better surface than that, right? So if you can get a nice, clean, very fine cut on there, 
Um, the reason I like it in one pass is because once you do more than one pass, you have a possibility of having little like sort of track marks as you're pushing through. Uh, and that's why people will do a cambered blade, stuff like that. I don't camber my blades, at, at least yet. Um, I just haven't had the need to do it. So, and again, I don't really surface big wide uh, tables and things like that with a hand plane. That's one of the reasons why you'd want to do the camber to lift up those outside corners and kind of knock those off so that it doesn't create those track marks. Um, but again, it just kind of, the size of the piece can determine whether or not I'm going to bother doing a completely hand plane method for that. All right. Let's see. I got some more super chats. We're super chatting it up. Oh, uh, yeah. Alex Kilpatrick's in the chat and says, my first big boy bandsaw, uh, a jet, a uh, bunch of numbers, is being delivered on Monday. <laughs> what do I need to make sure I know do before running a bunch of wood through it? First of all, Watch down... Watch the, band, the bandsaw video that you did with... Um... I, have a, I have a video for that. <laughs> So I would go watch the video with that Alex. we did with Alex Snodgrass on tuning up your bandsaw. I would also take the time to uh, to go to Jet's website, download the manual. So it's not a bad idea to just kind of leaf through it. A lot of times their calibration stuff is, is fine, but most of the time you're going to want to follow Alex Snodgrass's calibration. Um, but you can still read things you might need to know about hooking it up, getting it plugged in, getting it in place. A lot of times the instruction manuals will tell you based on getting, you know, how to actually get it off of the uh, pallet and how to get it in place safely. So just read through it. There might be some things in there that you didn't know. Uh, and then once it arrives, you'll be ready to go to uh, offload that thing and start setting it up. But yeah, watch, watch that tune-up video. That's going to pretty much tell you everything you need to know about getting that thing ready for cutting. Bada-bing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got another super chat from... Uh, Acoplay8705, I think I said that right. I'm making display shelves from cherry with yellow resin inlay. Will cherry Rubio Monaco change the color of the epoxy? I don't think so. I mean, most of, well, mostly what's gonna happen when Rubio touches epoxy, if you go through that buffing process, you're just gonna take it off. Um, the epoxy really isn't absorbing any finish. So you're, you're buffing the surface and then you're removing really the, the, the lion's share of it. Even on the wood, you remove most of it, right? It's just what, what the wood grabs, it grabs and you take off the rest. Um, but the, the wood is porous and the epoxy is not. So generally speaking, I can't imagine it's going to make much of a color change because you're just not leaving much material on the epoxy anyway. Uh, Blackthorn said, which Amana countersink do you recommend for number six Wood screws. Probably the number six version. Okay. Yeah. Is there a number six? Yeah, they make a number six. They make a number eight. I would oh, go with the number six. There you go. I don't know which one I put in the in the Friday Live section of the... Right. Uh, We're at 45, so if you okay. have any more I have one, super I think chats... I have, I think I have one more super chat that we need to, to, to do from Chase Moore. Uh, Mark, I want to get a very nice small selection of hand tools. I like to use the brands you recommend after you use them. Money isn't a problem. I want quality. Do you talk about this in your book, the joinery book, I'm assuming, um, or maybe hybrid woodworking? Yeah, hybrid woodworking goes into some details about the hand tools that I use. Um, I don't know if I got into brands, but you can see the brand, and you'll know the brand when you see it. So there's that. Uh, but I don't think <laughs> I specifically called out brands. You know, for me, generally speaking, your Veritas and Lee Valley, <laughs> Veritas is Lee Valley, your Veritas and Lee Nielsen tools are going to be at about the level that I consider the one that I want to stock up on, right? Like if I'm going to get a whole series of tools, those are the two that I start with. Sometimes I might venture off. There might be a handsaw company that makes a, a better saw that's about the same price. So I try that or a set of chisels that, you know, catch my attention and I might try that. But most of the time it's going to be pretty equivalent between what Lee Valley sells and what Lee Nielsen sells. And uh, speaking <clears throat> of hybrid woodworking, I'm going to put a link because we have those books. We have, yeah, we got books. We're shipping out stuff still. So we have circled routing templates in stock over in the Guild store. I don't think I have them in stock on the... I do. Oh, you do? I on the main yesterday. site. Yeah, we've okay. got a couple. Okay. So I'm just going to put... If you go to the woodwhisperguild.com slash store, um, you slash extra, sorry. Yeah. Um, we have essential joinery. We have hybrid woodworking. You can even bundle it up. We have templates. It's, it's the whole thing. We got I got to get that stuff on the, on the free site too. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to centralize our stores. We're kind of fractured right now, yeah. but... 
So, we also have lots of templates in stock. Too. Yeah, we do. Uh, Worth Effort says you have to do it. Next t-shirt should be, I have a video for that. And we have a you, t-shirt for that, too. We already have a t-shirt for that. <laughs> it, uh, Jen made it yeah. for me, right? Yeah, she did. So, yeah, we, we do have. I it's a black shirt okay. with yellow print on it that says, I have a video for that. So, I, I, today, if I had known how oh many of these gosh. questions I would know, relate right? to videos, I, I would have worn that shirt. <laughs> Chris was like, you're talking like you have uh, a decade of content to refer to. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it sometimes. <laughs> kind of crazy. It's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me just make sure. And I'm not, like, on the scale of video producers, I'm not even that prolific. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. in terms of people who make video online, um, there's there's people who lazy. just... Yeah, I'm a little bit lazy. <laughs> now, well, the, the stuff I, I... You know how it is. The I stuff know. I make takes longer to build. I can't do it in a week. Yeah. Um, but it, it is funny to think, like, over time, it still adds up, even if you're slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that really does it, huh? You want to pick a winner? I do need to pick a winner, and I'm not even prepared for that. But that's fine. So if you are a Patreon person, if you are a Patreon subscriber at any level, uh, you can get access to the after show, which mm-hmm. we're going to do immediately after I'm this. I'm going to put a link in the chat so it's easy for those patron people to just click it and go over to it. Um, and if you want to chat, you need to make sure you click the YouTube link in, in yeah. the post itself. So Did you see I'm um, supporting Ashley today. Yeah, I saw that. Sporting my Ashley Harwood bowl yep. on my chest. <laughs> um, we good? Anything uh, else? Yep, and uh, I will pick a winner. Chicken dinner. Um, should I do it right now? Should I guess do it now. Yeah, okay. I was stalling for time. Thank you. Showing everybody my new, my, my, it's not new, but first time <laughs> I'm wearing it on the show, t-shirt. All right, I have. I'm going to have to go in and get coffee. I got that, um, I still have, what is it, Ox yeah. Coffee Maker? Oh, yeah. So sad that company went out of business. That little rugged. It's a great little Keurig machine. type coffee thing is fantastic. And yeah. we're out of coffee, so I'm probably going to have to go make one. I need some coffee. I need a little more coffee. Coffee. Give me that coffee. One, two, three. Four, five, six. Don Woodies, you won the Guild Project. Oh, look at you, Don's Woodies. Oh, Don's Woodies. Yeah, so Gazank made a correction. He doesn't have a decade to refer to. It's a decade and a half now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just can't stop making videos, man. <laughs> I can't stop. I loves it. All right. Okay, we're done? We're going to wrap this up, head on over to the after show, and anything that we didn't get to, we'll do there and just hang out. Yay! Oh, thanks for the birthday wishes. Chat will be a little slower so you can even talk to us a little bit more in real time. All right. Well, uh, have a great weekend, everybody. And we will catch those of you who have the after show. We'll catch you in a few minutes. Everyone else, uh, stay safe. Toodles. See you on Tuesday? We'll see you on Tuesday. Tuesday.